0: How many are made for the glory of God? Can I hear an amen? Are you made for the glory of God? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you are here. Come on, tell somebody. Is it okay if your pastor loves on you today? I'm so glad that you are here. Did y'all get scared a little bit when fall came out last week? Oh, did you, some of you guys like it? Oh, man, I got a little scared. I'm like, my tan's going to go away. I'm going to go back to just bring, being the gringo. But I want to tell you this. I barely ever back up my wife on offerings. She does such an amazing job. Can we just get up for my wife? She's an amazing woman of God. I'm so honored to have her in my life. Let me just say this as the brother puts back up that slide. This ministry truck is going to dramatically change the way we do missions in this church. And it is going to change lives. And those of you who think you can't preach on this, we're going to send you out and hand you to Mike, and you're going to preach on this. And before we can go to 50 churches around the city, let's go to 50 blocks and blow this up. But let me just tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you give, it's given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And oftentimes as a young church like this, we get the mindset that, you know what, we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot. And even sometimes people get surprised. I was like, "Oh, well, y'all look pretty nice up in this storefront. Oh you guys got some nice stuff?" Well, you know, the reason is, is because a lot of our people give sacrificially. And so I want to ask one of our sacrificial givers to come Ricardo Rivera from the back. Would you give it up as he comes, Ricardo Rivera? We've had to do so much more with less. I'm talking just two rows here was the size of the church when he came, and we had to buy the chairs. We had to put our faith out there to take over this entire store uh, storefront because the other church was leaving that we were sharing it with. And you want to talk about roles reverse? we shared it with the Latino church, and they gave us the extra. They said, oh, you can have five. You can have six. going to have church for six hours from nine to four or something, you know. And so normally it's the Latinos going, can we please have the service here? Can we have a service? How many know what I'm talking about? Y'all look at me crazy. Come on, Latinos. Y'all don't know how Latino churches start. Then They tried predominantly in this city, before they got large and in charge like Choco and New Life and all this, they would have to come to the gringo church and ask for, you know, a little bit of help. And then you know what? That's how their churches go. But I didn't have no shame in my game. I came to the Latino. And I was like, can you break me off a little bit of service up in this place? And long story short, we outgrew them. And that's a story for them. But we had to. Replace the chairs that they had. We had the sound system. They had the chairs. Each one of these chairs cost $44. And this brother back then, he has always been an awesome, responsible young man, but he always wasn't so healthy and plump. He was a lot skinnier back then. He wasn't even married back then. He didn't have any kids, and he was a young man. But you know what? He gave, and he gave sacrificially. And now he has houses or a home and owns a, his own house and has land and cars. And all these things that a lot of you guys say as young people, we want, we want, but you got to learn how to give to receive. You got to go with God into the kingdom economy, amen? And the Bible says that when we look at opportunities like this, you can't find a better place to sow seed into the lost. This ain't for Joe to get a new BMW. Are you listening to me? This ain't for me to get a new new car. This is for us to raise up preachers to reach the community just like where we were at. We had over 40 people at Ohio Park yesterday. Westside, Come on. We were there representing Jesus, and there's a lot just waiting for us to pull that bad boy in. Ricky, would you tell us why you've been a giver over the years and what God did in your life? And don't be so shy. Come into the spotlight.
1: All right. Just trying to let you. Um. <laughs> Um, amen. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I was just taught by my mom to be a giver. Uh, and uh, one thing I learned throughout the years up till now is that you can never outgive God. God. Um, you know, God will bless you. You know, it's not just bless you financially, but he's going to bless you with all kinds of stuff. I'm happily married with peace of mind, with joy. Those are those are blessings that you cannot buy. And so uh, God will, uh, he will be true to his uh, promises, right? He said if you give, you know, you shall receive, and uh, he's going to cover you. He's going to pour out blessings upon your life, right? And so we don't do it just for that. We do it to be faithful, to be obedient, but that's the benefit of it. And so as I've always uh, given, and uh, God willing teach my children, uh, me and my wife, we give, uh, we've seen the blessings come our way. And so uh, when I see this, uh, this is the church's vision, right? But more than that, this is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus told us to do. Uh, This is uh, uh, mission work, right? He said go into all the world, right? And so this is part, Chicago's part of the world, right? And so this is doing mission work in our own backyard. So what better uh, to, uh, to sow into than something like this where we can go into our neighborhoods. And you guys know that our neighborhoods need this. We need this. We need our preachers to go into these uh, different neighborhoods and, and, and preach the gospel, share the love of Jesus, right? And so uh, this is a good thing. This is a great idea. And so... Uh as you pray and seek the Lord, obviously this is between you and the Lord, but whatever God has put in your heart, be, be faithful to it because he will be faithful to you, right? Be obedient to it because when you do, you are uh, you know, God's going to bless you, but man, we're, we're reaching souls, we're planting seeds, right? We're sowing seeds, and so uh, we want to see the city saved, right? It's one thing just praying about it, it's another thing doing something about it, right? So we just don't want to talk about it, we just don't want to say, oh, we pray for the city, we want people to change, we want neighborhoods to change, we have to take action, right? Talk is cheap, and so we want to do our part and, uh, and uh, you know, give God glory and save souls. Amen? So, amen.
0: Let's it. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. Amen. You can probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've ever had to do that. And I just just did it because, man, God has told us this is what's in season for us. And this is how I learned to preach. And SUM has 18 students this year, our Bible college. We have 10 street ministries going out a week. This is radically going to change everything we do. And I think it's going to be exciting for some of you. And there's some shy ones of you here, and I got my finger on you. I'm going to bring you out with us and throw you right up there. And you're like, no, you're not, Pastor. I'm like, yes, I am. I am. I'm going to do my best to do it. And you're going to come up and be like, hi, everybody. And then the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. Fuego. And you're going to be like, I came out here to tell you about Jesus. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Thank you, Ricky, for always serving back there as well. The book of Ephesians has been our um, our sermon series. We have been for a while, in verses three and onward, sixteen weeks, and now we are starting ourselves a new portion. We are starting the passage of fifteen and onward, known as Paul's prayer. Everybody say Paul's prayer. Thank you. Somebody say faith and love. So if you are new with us in this season, we do know other passages of the Bible other than just chapter 1, verse 3 of Ephesians, and I am so excited to read this with you. So we'll be learning about faith and love today, but let us crack open this new passage that we have, and let me remind you, please, as well, to read the book of Ephesians every week, at least one time. It only takes 20 minutes by audio, and about 20 minutes, depending on how fast you can read, and it will encourage you, if at the least, read this passage. 15 through 23, and that can be done on a bathroom break. Can I hear amen? And you all know you be bringing your phones with you. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to do my best not to add any commentary because you need to hear it in its entirety. Paul's prayer. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way and can I get an amen for Paul's prayer today, the inspired Word of God. This is our passage that we'll be preaching nine messages from starting today with faith and love. Might I just exegete this passage for you today? Hermeneutics is the study of God's word. Exegeting the text means to take from the text, exit from the text, the meaning that the Holy Spirit wanted to give us. Eisegesis is an error to insert your own ideas into the text. We're going to interpret this properly and exegete it the right way. Paul starts in verse 15. And he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so this is today's message on faith and love, and that's the, the thing that Paul was provoked to start thanking God for. So I want to ask you a question. Today, is there a reason to thank God in the things of your life because you have faith in Jesus and love for God's people? If I as a pastor followed you around or talked to your co-workers, would I hear them saying, oh, they're a faithful person. Pastor, you can count on them at the job. They take their lickings and keep on ticking. I've seen them be cussed out by customers, but they still smile and bless them. I've seen them go through hard times and they haven't lost their testimony. I see them being an encouragement to the others on the job. And oh, pastor, they're so nice. They're such an encouraging person to be around. Is that your testimony? See, that's what Paul said about that church. He said, guys, I have heard about your faith. That means it has to be an action. He didn't say, I wish you to do this or wish you to do that. He said, I've heard about that from other people. That means Paul had some spies, some people checking up on them. You know, sometimes I check up on your Facebook, and I don't see so many nice things. Come on, let's keep it real. But I want to see your Facebook, your social media, to be a place for you to be faithful to God and to love people. Can I hear an amen? Yes, pastor, be checking on your Facebook. Oh, he's so nosy, but I care. Paul cared about his church, and he checked out how they were doing. I'm glad that I can check out how you're doing. Verse 17 says, I keep asking. Look at your neighbor and say, get a life, a prayer life. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, get a life. A prayer life. You need a prayer life. You know what I like about Paul is that he says, I keep asking. He didn't ask once for God to bless them. He said, I keep asking. Paul's prayer life was intimately connected to his thought life. You probably couldn't tell where one started and the other one ended. How many have a prayer like that? Prayer life like that. Where in your thoughts, you're thinking thoughts to God. After all, he's listening to them already. Paul said he prayed without ceasing. He actually taught us to do the same thing. And that's why we have to incorporate our thoughts into our prayers. And one of the things that Paul was provoked to pray for because he saw them doing well was that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know him better. Did you all just catch the Trinity right there? If you didn't, I'm praying that you know him better. Come on. Some of you just get to the point where you think you understand the Bible. You flip through it so fast. You didn't even understand the verse. The verse is a prayer for you to know him better, but you didn't even see the Trinity, which is who he is there. He said, I pray to the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father, that you may know him better by the Spirit, Father, Son, Spirit. There's two errors that we need to correct right here. One of them will come from your Jehovah Witness door-knocking friends. They will say, see, Jesus has a God. How can he be God? And I bet if I was to ask many of you here that question, you would not know how to answer them. And they would pimp slap you with their false doctrine that Jesus was a separate created being in time because he has a God. Can God have a God? No, God cannot have a God. But you don't understand what's happening in the context. You'd have to go back to understand Paul's recollection of the Old Testament into the New Testament concept of who the Father is. The Old Testament Jews always referred to the Father as God, the Father God. That's how they communicated. And so when Paul refers to God, it's always referring to the Father. How do I know that? Because in the next verse, or in the next portion, it says the glorious Father. So now we know he's differentiating But hold on, if Jesus has a God and a Father, that still would make him less than. Well, now you have to understand the second thing here. And that is, just because I have a Father and I am a Father, that doesn't mean I'm less in nature than my Father. My Father is of human nature and I am of human nature. Do you get that? Just because now Lucas is my son doesn't mean I'm greater in nature than my son. He is also of human nature, and I am of human nature. In the Godhead, the example doesn't work in this sense. See, my father existed before I did. The father did not exist before the son. The father, son, holy spirit have always existed together, but the father has always had authority over the son. The son has always had a father, but they have existed equally as God. That is the Trinity. Do you understand? Just because I have a father doesn't mean him and I are of different substance. We're both humans. And just because Jesus has a father does not make him less than the father in divinity. Shake your head and say amen. If not, I'm going to be here for a long time today. We've talked about this. And so when Paul says Jesus has a God, that's wonderful because Jesus has an authority. Jesus came as a man and wasn't an atheist, so Jesus, as the God-man, set the example for humanity. And Jesus has always had a father. Now, this is the same situation you now have to work out with the Spirit. The Father and the Son send the Spirit, and now someone would say, Well, the Spirit is less than the Father and the Son. That somehow the spirit is now just a force, electricity, not a person. But that is not true. My friends, he echoes the words of the Son. The Bible says he won't speak of his own self, but he'll only speak what Jesus says. And you may say, well, that must mean he's less than God, but then you forgot the lesson about having a father makes you less than the father. That's not true. Just because the Holy Spirit echoes what Jesus says, he is not less than Jesus. He is just in the subservient role to Jesus as Jesus is in the subservient role to the Father, but yet they're all equal in nature. There's not lesser gods, there's not lesser quality of God within the Godhead. The triune is one God and equal three persons sharing 100% divinity. They're not three parts of a pie, one-third God, one-third God, one-third God. They're 100% equally God sharing the same substance. How does that make sense? Well, let me help you. When the Holy Spirit speaks what he says, you then speak exactly what he says now, as Paul did. And so when Paul wrote what the Holy Spirit said in Scripture, and now you say what Paul said, coming from the Holy Spirit, does that make you less than Paul? Who got the revelation first from the Holy Spirit according to this passage, like here, Ephesians? Paul. And now you're saying it, you're parroting it. Does that make you less than Paul? Paul. So why would the Holy Spirit be less than Jesus if he's parodying what Jesus says? It doesn't change nature. And as the book of Ephesians takes time, as we have learned already in the previous passages, to explain the revelation of being in Christ. The book of Colossians, the sister city to Ephesus, and the sister epistle to the book of Ephesians takes extravagant amount of time to teach us who Jesus is. Paul there in that letter emphasizes the nature of Christ because he's dealing with people who think that Jesus is less than God. In Ephesus, he has to remind them they're in Christ. In Colossians, he has to remind Them who Christ is, and in Colossians, I would recommend you reading Colossians 1, 2, and 3 and learning that the fullness of God is in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God, and that there's nothing lacking in Him, then that is what is in God. Can I hear an amen? And one more time, because I'm Polish and I like to say things a bunch of times, I want you to look to John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was what? God, but is he the God that he's facing in the previous part, and the word was with God? No, he's not facing himself. Who is he facing? God the Father. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Who is he with? God the Father. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Draw a line in the sand. Draw a line on your paper. Put on one side of the line things that are made. On the other side of the line things that are not made. Which side does Jesus go under not made. What is the only being that is conceivable to go under being not made? Uncreated, the first cause of all cause, God. So Jesus is God. He is unmade. He did not have a beginning. He has always been with the Father. And how do we know that the God he is facing there is the Father? As you go down to verse 14, the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, now the word is called the son. God that he's facing is called the father. Hello, somebody. Did you get something today? Do you want to go back to Sunday school and let me do this for the next hour? I hope that you got it because that's important to understand God. Now go back to this. It's my prayer that you know him. Ooh, snap. I keep asking. Yes, I do. I keep asking that Metro Praise will understand who God the Father is through Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, through wisdom and revelation. Pastor, aren't you praying first for me to get rich and have a lot of, you know, good things in my life? No, no, the first thing I'm praying for you is that you would understand the Trinity. Because if you understand the God in which you worship, all these things will be added unto you. If you seek first his kingdom and understand who he is, you will understand who you are and what your purpose is here. You were made in the image of God. You were made to reflect him. You were made to reflect him in your family, upon your job, and all that you do. So I'm like Paul today. I got a life, a prayer life, and I keep asking that all of us would know him better. Isn't that amazing? You go on down to verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. You see, Paul now says, I want you to know him, but then I want you to be enlightened to these three things about him. The hope, the power, and the inheritance. And these are going to be powerful messages. But notice where he's praying, you will know these things. Does he say, I want you to know it up here or in here? What does he say? Come on, point to where he wants you to know. In your heart. And he literally says, I want you to be enlightened so that you can see it. Everybody talks about a third eye and being woke. You need to slap their hands and say, "You're crazy enlightenment belongs to our God. Oh, silly Buddha, give me back that enlightenment idea. Oh, Brad Pitt, you and your Hindu prayer beads looking so cool being a vegetarian, give me back the enlightenment. We've let the world take enlightenment and make it something new age and pagan. Enlightenment of your soul and heart belongs to God. He wants you to see things here that you don't see out there. And it doesn't come from wearing yoga pants and doing the crooked chicken. It comes from knowing God. I want to encourage you as Paul did to understand who he is in your heart. Even the blind, physically disabled can see God in their heart. I sense you, God, in my life today. Your peace, your love. I can see you moving around me. Through me, I hear your voice. So, oftentimes, why we don't hear him or see him because we've put idols before us and we flooded our ears with those iPods and those things of the world that we haven't heard the still small voice of God. And what Paul is praying here because he's thankful for the faith and the love of these people, he's praying that they'll know God, but when they know God, there'll be real transformation, they'll have hope. They'll have hope beyond the scope of their human limitations. You won't walk just by sight. You'll walk by faith. You won't let this world intimidate you and push you in a corner and doctors tell you the things that may be true physically. You won't let that change the promise that God gave you spiritually. What happens in the church when we start to believe what God said over what man said? When we say, yes, this is what the scan says. The doctor says, but I am healed by Jesus. You might say, well, pastor, what if it doesn't work? Well, I can guarantee you all the prayers you don't pray will never get answered. But what if it does? What if it? What if at bare minimum you go through it with joy and live longer and have a greater testimony? And though on your deathbed you say, I'm healed, and they say you're sick, and they say, uh, you, you say that I'm healed, and you say that I'm sick, and then you close your eyes and open up into eternity, and Jesus says you're healed. Would it be worth it to go out like that in faith, to believe God for your marriage, for your children, not to get backed down by the world? He says, I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people. Somebody say, we're a holy people. Amen. He says, I want you then to know his power. I want you to know the power for us who believe. That's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is what Paul wants you to know is that it's in you. I'm so tired of people walking around in church acting like they're afraid of the devil, almost like they just want to cower, like, devil, devil, please. Devil, please don't mess with my kids. Oh, come on, devil, just leave me alone tonight. I can't go to sleep. I'm waiting for somebody to get right in their bed at 10 o'clock at night and say, devil, I'm looking for you. I'll meet you right here and speak your word over my family. I will speak your word over my community. I will be like David and hunt you down in Jesus' name. You got power on the inside of you. Power that raised Jesus from the dead. There was a story about Lester Summerall casting out demons in a great meeting. We will cast out demons in these meetings because when you get around that many lost people, there's a bunch of demon-possessed people. Demons were getting cast out through Lester Summerall's meetings. This was an old preacher. I met him personally. And one of them demons came back to mess with him in the middle of the night. He woke up. His bed was shaking, rattling so much it moved it across the room. He said, Satan, get out in the name of Jesus. He woke up a little bit more, and he said, I noticed something has changed. My bed was right over here, and it moved here. He said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you move my bed back rattled right back into place you have a choice if you believe that or not but I believe that I am here to take back what the devil stole because the power of Christ is in me. The power of Christ is in you. The same Jesus that was raised from the dead is on the inside of you. And that's the reason why we can be in heavenly realms right now with that authority. The whole concept of the book of Ephesians is because Christ went there for us. The eternal Logos of God, the Word, became flesh so that flesh could be killed and crucified but then resurrected and glorified and be a representation for us so that we can come into him and have what he has. The great uh, theologian during the time of the Arian controversies in the 4th century fought against what would be modern-day Jehovah's Witnesses trying to say Jesus wasn't all that, and he was like, yes, he is. But one of the points he had to make was about the incarnation and why he had to come in the flesh. And Athanasius said this, the Son of God. Became the son of man so that sons and daughters of men might become sons and daughters of God. We are in heavenly realms because he's gone there for us. Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. One of the other things I want to address in this passage. It's not only do we get attacked by cults in places like this passage, because they don't know no better, but we get attacked by modern scholarship and atheists who say Paul was a false apostle. And one of the evidence that they'll say against our Paul is they'll say, Paul doesn't talk anything about the historical Jesus. Paul, if you notice, never mentions the parables of Jesus. He doesn't talk about the sower to go sow seed. Paul doesn't mention any of the, the, the lessons that Jesus gives. He doesn't talk about the Beatitudes. He doesn't mention the end times prophecies. It just seems like Paul is almost oblivious, starting his own religion, as it were. That's what they accuse him of. Well, a few things that they don't know is that, number one, Paul is writing before the Gospels. Paul wasn't one of the original 12. If you remember the testimony, he's converted from Judaism into Christianity as he's going to kill Christians. At the time of his conversion, the Gospels are only oral tradition. As a matter of fact, his assistant, Luke, is the one he assigns to write a Gospel so that he can hand it out to his churches because he wants them to have a Gospel. And then Luke also then writes the history of the church called the Book of Acts. Are you listening? This was before Mark's Gospel, which was the first one. Mark was the assistant to Peter. Peter hadn't wrote yet a gospel. And as a matter of fact, in Paul's journeys with Mark, he had to kick him off the missionary journey because Mark was a coward and got afraid when they started dying. And then God replaced him with Timothy. Look at your neighbor and say, you can be replaced. But thankfully, God had a plan for Peter and Mark to get back together. And God used Mark. It's a sign of redemption. Look at your neighbor and say, but we want you here. Amen. That's the first thing they don't understand. The second thing is, I wonder... If in those three years Paul had Holy Ghost school in Damascus, as he says he was in the desert being taught by the, the Lord personally, I wonder if this scripture, Revi, he got right here can be found somewhere else in a gospel that was originally written, say, by Matthew. Anything you see similar here to a gospel? Some maybe might have been in the first. Don't give it away. Shout it out, though. If you weren't here in the first, and that seems similar to something in Matthew. Welcome to Bible class. Hmm, far above all rule, authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also the one to come. They got it in the first service a whole lot quicker, not not as awkward. I'll wait a few more moments for somebody to shout it out. See if you could stump a scholar that says, Paul, don't have any reference to the things of Jesus. I got Augustine. I knew you weren't in the first, so shout it out. Matthew 28, I think, is what you meant. But I know you meant the Great Commission, right? Did not Jesus say, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me? Sounds exactly like what Paul is referencing here. Probably had not even met Matthew. The gospel had not been written down yet of Matthew. It was only oral tradition. You're talking Jesus died at 30. These are getting around 60 A.D. So just these ancient people without technology are trying to get the message out. And then what else does it go on to say in Matthew 28, 18 and onward? To make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything. And I will be with you always until the end of the age, do you know that there are hundreds of places in Paul's letters where Jesus' teachings come out clear? You just have to be willing to put your face in his book and off of Facebook for a little bit because you know the coolest meme out right now, don't you? You know the best videos out right now on Facebook, don't you? But isn't it something when pastor gets you in the word, we're quiet. We can't see it as clearly, Pastor. You're pulling a trick on us. Did you actually expect us to read the Bible and know what it means? Isn't that what Paul's trying to get us to understand in his very prayer? That we would know God more. That we would know Him by the Trinity that we have not spent any time studying. That's his prayer. And then he's praying that we would have hope because the reason why we are hopeless is because we're putting in hope in things that are less than him. Hope in a job, hope in people, hope in a church, etc. And is it the reason why we're lacking power today is because we don't understand the great commission of Jesus? You lack power on your job. It's because you don't see it through the authority of Jesus to fulfill the great commission. If you went to your job and said, I am here to prosper so that I can prosper with Christ in the Great Commission, you will know your purpose on that job. You will know your purpose if you understand the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. He's got an assignment for you. It's a byproduct that you get a family. It's a byproduct that you and I get a job. It's a byproduct that we get houses and land. It's all about his kingdom because that's what's going to last after our houses, after our land. Come on, somebody. After our families. So maybe there's a reason why people are still in sin, depressed, messed up, busting disgust is because they don't know who's got the power. And if you don't know who's got the power, you won't know your purpose, and that's why you'll always be unsatisfied in life. Whoever knows their purpose will know the power of God because they'll be praying it through their life every day. And your purpose is not connected to backsliders. Your purpose is not connected to sinners. God can use sinners. God can use Babylon to bless Daniel. But Daniel's going to get blessed with or without Babylon as kings rise and fall in Daniel's life. Daniel was still blessed. And when you understand that it doesn't matter what the people do around you, you're going to attach yourself to Jesus because he's got the power, he's got the authority, he's got dominion, and he's above every name. God's on your side. You're unstoppable. Your purpose is unstoppable. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Now this last part right here, Blew my mind when I read it. And I know that I was sassy before about the Trinity and understanding Paul in relation to Jesus. But I have to let you know this one rocked me. And if it didn't make you scratch your head, then you didn't read it the way it was supposed to be read. Because it is supposed to scratch your head. It's supposed to blow your mind. He's over everything. The church, which is his body. Now watch this right here. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let that sink in for a minute. He's over everything, the church. Now he goes into a place that we would never understand if it wasn't for an apostle like Paul, that he now literally calls his body. Paul takes it a step further than even what Jesus said a vine and branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. But now he's literally going, I'm the heads, you're my body. And then he says, The fullness of me is there. And then from there, I feel everything else. I wonder if y'all get this today. It's gonna be a great message, but I gotta give you a taste of it now. You can't get filled with the fullness of God unless you're in the church, His body. Whoa, come on. I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor, I'm saying that because I used to be a lost sinner, and it took the church of Jesus Christ reaching out to me, bringing me into His body. I'm not talking about a little sea church we call Metro Praise International. I'm talking about the big sea church, his bride. He said, that's how important this is to me. It's my bride, chapter 5 of Ephesians, and it's my body in chapter 1. And I'm going to fill the earth through it. So my question to you is, are you filling the earth with the presence of Jesus? Or does your job know that you're more of a Cubs fan than you're a servant of Jesus? Do your friends at school, young people, think of you more as being the girl who likes Drake or Amigos or whatever's popular today? Or are you known for being a follower of Jesus? Because when Solomon built the temple and he said, here you go, God, we've got it for you. God goes to Solomon, you don't even understand. This temple can't hold my glory. The whole universe can't hold my glory. I'm bigger than this whole place. I made it. He holds it in his hands. But yet when he comes to the New Testament, he says, I'm tired of being the God out there. I want to be the God in here. And that's why Jesus died on the cross so that we could get out of religion and into relationship. And the church is his body. And that's why we get into the fivefold ministry in in, in chapter 3 and 4. And we understand that it's for the building up of the church because it's the church that remains. And it's important to see our place in the body, whether we're a finger or an ear or an eye, or to be in that body and represent heaven on earth. And oh to God that I am doing my part in representing heaven on earth. Even when I stumble and fall, may I represent a repentive man to you. Someone that understands I want the fullness of God in me so his fullness can be seen in you and touch your life. It's those who get dissatisfied with God who are satisfied with the world. Sin is what you do when you find no more pleasure in God's presence. Sin is an unholy thing, and God is a holy person. So do you want to be filled with his fullness? And do you want to see his fullness fill the earth? Well, then that's the prayer of Paul. Can I hear an amen? Look at your neighbor and say, that was the introduction. Because those are the messages that we're going to preach on now from this passage. Are you excited? Today we're going to talk about faith and love. Yes, I still have a message to preach. We're then going to talk about giving thanks and making requests in our prayers. We're going to learn how to pray for the spirit and revelation to know God better. So if you were like, oh, pastor, it kind of hurt that you said I don't know God as I should. Well, I'm praying for you. I'm going to keep asking. And the way to prove me wrong or the way to do better is not to quit going to church. I'm going to show that pastor, I'm so upset. No, keep coming. And learn more about God. Say, Pastor, you know, I've been to church my whole life and I never understood the Trinity like that. Wow, that's amazing. I've been praying more on that. And my mind's been getting expanded. Amen. Here are those three things we need to be enlightened in. You can go back and see if I've done my work well, verse by verse, exegeting the passage. Enlightened to know God's hope. Enlightened to know his glorious inheritance. Enlightened to know his power. How about we talk about Jesus, the name above every name? Wouldn't that be a wonderful one? I think I'll have to be sassy in that message and put down every religious name I can think of. Amen? So make sure you tell all of your friends in a different religion to tune in to that one. I will explain as much as I can, by God's grace, why Jesus is the sweetest name ever known. There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will pass away. But Jesus will remain. Talk about Jesus being the head of the church, what a blessing. And then Jesus, the one who fills everything in every way. I think that will really be a crescendo to Paul's prayer because then we'll understand the big picture here. You know, why why we were created in the garden in his image. And why when the Bible talks about marriage in Ephesians 5 and says, here's a mystery, the two become one. And he goes, no, not just what they do in bed, but Christ and his church. That he always wanted to fill us. He always wanted to be your everything. As the old timers used to say, we all have a God-shaped hole on the inside of us that only he can fill. Amen. Let's look to faith and love today. Faith is that Greek word pistis. And it means to trust God's character and promises. You have to come to a point in your walk with God that you will trust him even though you don't see him. Or even if he slay you or slay those around you. You have to trust him that though life and death are in his hands, and we don't understand why some live and some die, why some promises come to pass quickly and others don't, but we will trust in his character and trust in his word. And as I always say, God can't fail because he doesn't know how. God will never let you down. And whatever promise you and I see in this world, or have in this world that we don't see, we'll see in the world to come. As I've said before, many of you have had imaginations, well, if I was to inherit a hundred million dollars or win the lottery, this is what I would do. And I've even seen great pastors talk like that. Well, if I had more, I would do more. And they've passed away. One of my favorite pastors from the south side, Pastor Wade Sutherland, passed away a few years ago. He went to his funeral. And I know there were so many promises in his life he didn't see. But in the world to come, the church who will be filled with Christ in every way to reveal him to every person He'll have those promises come to pass, to rule and reign with Christ. Every neighborhood that he wanted to see saved, that he didn't see saved, will be saved in the world to come. He'll be put over those neighborhoods as a king, as a priest. Amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? How many believe in the kingdom reign? The disciples sure did. That's all they kept asking him about, didn't they? They kept saying, when are we going to do this with you? When are we going to rule and reign? He said, hey, guys, the times and the dates, those aren't important, but you wait until the Holy Ghost gets on you and then be my witnesses. So now until then, we're just preparing the people for the kingdom to come. We're his ambassadors. We're his ambassadors. Amen? Amen? Love. The Bible talks about love in many different ways. Here's a great way to look at it. It's the Greek word agape. Don't want to spoil anybody's good time, but there is nothing superstitious about the word agape. Agape is used in their secular world just like our word love is. I know many of you have gotten tattoos and really love that word, and it's cool to love love, but some of you think like agape is like a real spiritual word, like agape. No, it's just a common word, but what makes it uncommon in the Bible or what we could say the God kind, of love is how he defines it and how he uses it. And of course, there's other words for love in the Greek language. Eros, erotic love. Filio, brotherly love. Agape love is strong affection that results in proximity. What you love, you will want to be around. Can I hear an amen? Come on, husbands and wives, nudge each other, parents with their children. What you love, you will be around. It's selflessness, selflessness is a great way to define love, isn't it? If somebody says they love you, but they don't want to lay down their life for you, it's not true love. It's just infatuation. It's just lust. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody here? Ladies, if you fall in love, and this man says he loves you, and then he says, I love you so much, I want to make love to you, tell him to close his eyes, because you got a great big surprise for him. As he closes his eyes, take off your shoe and whack him as hard as you can in the face. And then say, I did this because I love you, and I don't want you to go to hell. And then tell them, if you love me, you will wait for me, and you will do this right. How long does it take? Well, it takes until God changes their heart. And if they don't want to have their hearts changed, then you leave them. Even Christians, you'll have to walk away from. Can I hear an amen? Because all Christian love ain't God's love. Well, supposed Christian love, you know what I mean. And then Sacrifice. Paul said, I'm so thankful because I've heard about those things. So obviously he was in their life. Today's message won't take that long. But all I had to do to find out what he heard was go to the book of Acts and to Timothy. The book of Acts is obvious of why I would go there because the book of Acts is the historical record of his travels. And it talks about him spending three years in that place. And this was one of the longest places he was at. But I went to 1 Timothy because Timothy was the spiritual son that he left in the city of Ephesus So when you hear Paul writing to Timothy in the Bible, he says, I'm writing to you there in Ephesus because I left you there to pastor those wonderful people. So that's where we can understand what he must have heard. Well, the first thing that we know that he heard was the very thing that he saw with his own eyes. That was that they had faith in Jesus despite money and culture. When those people got saved in Ephesus, they were willing to burn their idols, their witchcraft. Together, it was accumulative to over $6 million worth of idolatry. They literally lived in the Disney world of idolatry. That's all that was around them in that city was this temple to Diana, and everybody worked there, went there, sold the trinkets, and made a living. And they went into the town square and burned it all. Would you be willing to give it all up for Jesus? Would you be willing to give up your culture for Jesus? What if Abuela calls you up and says, we're going to carry Mary down the street today? How many know Catholics do this? Come on. And we want you this year to carry Mary down the street. What would you say? Abuela, I love you, but I can't do that. God didn't tell me to do that. I'm sorry. What if you're at the barbecue? Oh, I got quiet when I preached like that. That's okay. I'll keep preaching. I know I must be doing good. What happens when you're at the barbecue? And they just say, just stop talking about Jesus all the time. You know what I think you should do? I think you should look back at them in all respect, because they've just been rude to you, obviously. That's rude to tell you not to talk about something, isn't it? But I'm just asking if you love God more than cultures, because it's real easy for us to look at these Ephesian people as if they're like some kind of other, like an alien, and be like, oh, yeah, sure, it was easy for them to burn $6 million worth of stuff. Sure, it was easy for them to turn their back on a culture. Sure, but it's so hard for me. So let's just make it real for you. Do you think it was hard for them? you think they suffered persecution, which we're about ready to get to? We know they did. They got beaten. Now watch this. They say, stop talking about that Jesus stuff. All I want you to do in love and respect is say this. Then you stop talking about every stupid thing I've heard you talk about for the last 10 years I've been here. Stop talking about your stupid job, all the problems in your family, every stupid thing you're going to remodel your house with. Come on. You stop talking about stupidity. And we'll play the silence game then. I had to dismiss myself from a family barbecue. haven't gone back in a long time. Jesus said, my brother, father, sister, all this are those who do the will of God. You're my brothers and sisters. Some of you got to get some tenacious faith inside of you. I'm not talking about being rude, but someone's being rude to you. You don't return back in rudeness, but you return in boldness. What is this? You don't want me talking about Jesus? Then you must not respect me then. I understand we don't have to argue. We don't have to do X, Y, and Z. I get that. But I can't tell you what God has done in my life. I would rather go find three friends from the church and have a barbecue and call this a reunion and start a new family. I just wonder if anybody can relate to Muslims being disowned and kicked out their family. I wonder if anybody can relate to a Muslim girl that was locked in a closet, beat by her brother's she confessed Christ but ran away to the missionary who won her to the Lord and said, will you be my family? That happened in my friend's mission work in Sudan. was beaten by her brother, left for dead, and she escaped. Is there anybody that will give up money and culture for Jesus? That's what it takes. Paul heard that about them and said Man, you got me praying right now. You got me thanking God right now. I got to stop this letter and start telling you I am praying for you guys there. I am thankful to God for you guys there. Persecution. Do you know where Timothy died, that wonderful young man of the faith? He died in Ephesus as an old man being faithful to his post. As he was preaching, as we're willing to do with that truck, they, he was preaching at a festival. They told him to shut up, old man, and he did it. They beat him and stoned him and publicly killed him. That's how Timothy died. Paul was beheaded. But until that point, they were faithful. Come on, somebody say, if I'm faithful, God will make me fruitful. And then they were faithful to God despite false teachers. Paul even warned him. He said, after I leave here, there's going to be false teachers. As a matter of fact, most of Paul's letters are refruiting false teaching. Why do you think in Colossians, he has to blow up the idea of who Jesus is because everybody there is teaching another Jesus? Why do you think in Galatians, he has to tell them, stop following all this Jewish tradition and to live by faith? Why do you think in Thessalonica, he's telling them to the Thessalonians, he's saying, the rapture hasn't happened yet. They're lying to you. They're telling you they're kings already. Hello. Why do you think in Corinthians he has to tell people stop getting drunk with the communion wine and stop having sex with each other outside of marriage? Is it's not just the action, but there was false teachers promoting it. How do you promote sin? Like having sex with someone you're not married to. You say, well, God don't mind. As long as you repent. Well, now you're going to have a church of people having sex without marriage. Are you listening? How do you get people believing in a different Jesus? Well, you just start twisting the scriptures around. See, Jesus has a God. He must have been created. See, let's teach you that now. Oh, what about this? What about that? What about horoscopes? What about, what about superstition? And all of a sudden, you're walking away from God. This is around 60 A.D. Jesus leaves 30 A.D., 60 A.D., Paul is writing. Gospels are coming out. By 90 A.D., the New Testament is done. Last book of the Bible is written. Book of Revelation, Jesus is now examining his church in chapters 2 and 3 to 7 of them. Only one gets a passing grade. Six fail. Even this precious church is rebuked because they lost their first love. Laodicea, the sister church to this. There was like three of them, Colossia, Colossia, uh, Ephesus, and Laodicea. They were all by each other. Laodicea said, you make me puke. I'm about ready to spit you out of my mouth. Another one, he says, I'm about ready to take the candlestick away from you. Because they were listening to things that were false. They were giving in to these things. Somebody say faithful. Don't get mad at me. Get glad. Amen. Serve Jesus. Be faithful. They love God's people. Look at this. They love their leaders. Amen. How do I know they love their leaders? Is because when Paul left, they wept and wanted him to stay. I wonder if you guys would do that if I just left. Or you'd be like, yes, he is finally gone. Adam, it is your turn now. You know, they loved their leaders because they knew their leaders watched over them. They loved the people like Goveas and those who sacrificed. Most of them didn't get paid. They were people holding down jobs, and they loved them. They loved encouragement. How many love encouragement? How many love to give encouragement? You know, one of the best ways to to be an encouraging person is to start it off. You know, so often I I lived by what other people would do in the church and how they would act. I said, oh, my gosh, I can't tie my emotions to them. Most of these people aren't happy. I said, I'm just going to come happy. I'm going to come with a smile on my face. And I'm going to encourage them. Amen? And I'm going to put courage in their heart. Don't attach that to anybody else but to God. And God will always give you courage. Amen? And spread it around. They love their families. How many love their families here? Aren't you happy that we get to have families in the kingdom of God? We all don't have to be monks on the Himalayan mountains somewhere with funny haircuts like friars wearing potato sack bags. Come on. We get to have families. All of that comes from what he was thankful for. He was thankful that husbands and wives were doing these things. That's why he reminds it to him. He was thankful for equality. Everybody go, "Ooh." Don't let anybody tell you in the social justice movement that the Bible promoted slavery. It did just the opposite. There's an entire book called Philemon that set a slave free. When Paul is writing to them, he's talking to employer, to employee, using their same terms, yes, of slave and master. But this is what he says, includes you in and look it up, everybody. He says, masters, you better treat your slaves fairly because you have a master in heaven who will judge you without favoritism. Now, do you think a cult could start called the KKK in the South keeping that command? You beat your slave. You have someone you treat as an animal and you think you're a Christian. That's a cult. That's no different than a cult telling you they can do polygamy. Don't listen to imperialism as Christianity. The more you're like Christ, the more equal you'll become. Every Christian culture has set slaves free. Islam today still has slaves. The Buddhists today still have slaves. India still has slaves. Socialism still has slaves. Let's just put it like this. Every other culture that has not been influenced by Christianity has slavery today. Right now. Now in Africa. And I'm not just talking about Muslim black on black. I'm talking political black on black. Ever heard of Hotel Rwanda? Had nothing to do with Islam. Genocide of their own people happening today in Latin America. You ever heard of the, uh, the drug cartel? Have you ever watched a video of the drug cartel? I can't even look at it. That M18, whatever they call them, I watched them butcher women on one of those videos. I said, I'm done with this. They enslave entire villages. Are you not listening to me? Red and yellow, black and white are all precious in his sight. Every Christian culture eliminates slavery. Put Christianity in the black culture, eliminate slavery. Put it in the white culture, eliminate slavery. Rome wasn't my friend either. If I would have been in in Rome at this time as an Italian, I was now able to have my property stolen from me, beaten. My wife raped as a Christian. They threw us into lion's dens. Are you listening Uh, before the the arenas? So yes, slavery has been a problem of all people. The Bible gives the answer. We are now bound servants to Christ. We look to that as our answer in Ephesians teaches us to do it with equality. Can I hear an amen? A lot of amens today. Amen. Serve one another like Jesus did and be charitable. They were kind. Why do we know this? Because by the time Paul is writing to Timothy, he's not saying start helping the widows. He's telling them how to help the widows and the orphans because they were already doing that. Are you happy for that today? And then being generous. Put it all together. They were faithful because they did not let the culture and money dictate their life. They were faithful despite persecution. They were faithful despite false teachers. How did they show their love for each other? They loved the church and the leaders in the church. They encouraged one another. They put their families in order and loved their children and taught them the way of God. They were equal with each other, not showing favoritism based on money or culture. They served each other as Jesus did. They humbled themselves. They were charitable to The poor and the hurting around them, and they were generous and gave so that the work could go forth. If that's the kind of church you want and that's what you want to do, would you stand to your feet with me? Come on, and let's give God a great big hand clap of praise and say, Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Abandoned altar workers, would you come, please? Thank you for your patience. I want to leave you with this thought today as we get honest with ourselves. Is this the testimony of your life? Has the world seen your faithfulness and love and said, I can tell these are Christians? Because that's what I want in my life. I want to be like this in my life. The church is the number one place that you will have the opportunity to do this. And from this place, you should show it to others. If I don't see it here is what I'm saying, how are you going to show it out there? And sometimes people say, well, pastor, this person in church offended me and this and that. Can can you all just do me a favor real quick? Just look around at all these beautiful people. This is the largest social group you are a part of. This is it. Maybe every now and then you may have a corporate meeting. Some of you are in the corporate world. You may have more than this in a corporate uh, office meeting, uh, you know, a business meeting. But nine times out of ten, every week, this is the most amount of people you will ever be around. So guess what? These are the most amount of people that give you the opportunity to be offended, to be upset, to not like them. You now have the most amount of reasons you've ever had to not like people and and to be offended or you have the most amount of opportunities to love and to help and to practice bringing heaven to earth. The first Latino that I was ever best friends with was in Bible college and sharing church together. The first person that I was ever to meet from a homosexual background was in church that was wanting to live for God. You know, I got introduced to so many cultures in the church some of you maybe that's not true maybe you know all the cultures that are already here but this will be a great time to break down any racism any socialism that you may have okay over social statuses the church was the first place I really got to meet millionaires we don't just have people coming up off the streets trying to do something for God you know go get a job for the first time that was like me I had 18 jobs almost 20 jobs before I got saved I was totally busted and disgusted But that's not how all Christianity is. Some people do well in life. And I got to meet those people. You might be sitting next to a millionaire right now because you know if they come to our church, they're cool. Amen? They're not going to be coming in a three-piece suit. I am a millionaire. Hello, Metro Praise. Here I am. Now I'm putting my tithe in. If they did that one time, we would be like, you're not going to do that here. Seriously, are you listening? I mean, because they would just be as cool as us. I mean, look how Mark Zuckerberg dresses. If you didn't know who he was, You would be sitting next to a billionaire right now. You would just, he looks just like you. If you guys want to win sports stars to the Lord, and some of you have jobs where you interact with them, you could bring them in right here. I wouldn't even know who they were. I will shake your friend's hand and be like, hey, man, what's up? Literally, I was talking to my man, Emiliano. Emiliano, raise your hands for me, please. If Emiliano, two years ago, before I was watching the World Series, would have told me he was Baez, I would have believed him. He's a fit Puerto Rican dude. I would have been like, okay, you're Baez, great. I wouldn't even are you listening I would not even have known Here's the deal we just got to stop judging each other by external appearances and come here and get over those things and learn to practice love Don't come to a church like this and say I'm having a hard time getting along with your folks but I get along out there and I'm like you're a liar you're lying about something because there's no way you get along out there but can't do it here. So let me investigate a little bit more. Oh, now I get it. Out there you hang out with a circle of friends who all look like you, talk like you, shop at Rainbow like you, have the same earrings like you. Now I know why you don't get along. You, you get what I'm saying? You're just, you're just around your clique. You see, Drea here has to be cool as an African-American with Christina, a Swedish girl. Come on. Latinos here have got to be cool with the gringos here. We've got to get along, Republican and Democrat, Asian with African American. We got to cross all those cultural boundaries, male with female, young with old. And then if you ever meet anybody, and I want to say this in close, I'm a little long, but please be patient. If you ever meet anybody that walks away from here and they're sassy about this church and they got a lot of hate dispute, just listen, just go, shh, 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 shh. What did you do? Ask them that question. Be like, Because I understand people come and go from churches. we got a lot of people here right now that came from another church. Trust me. I understand people come and go from churches. But for you to be spewing that kind of hatred, let me just tell you as a pastor who's been here from day one, and maybe I'll get a half a nod from Adam if he's got some courage to amen me. If you ever, on my experience, they ever, and they got an attitude, they got something to tell you against me and this and that, you just stop me because I can't tell them, I can't tell you their business. So people come to me and be like, oh, I ran into so-and-so on the streets. You know, they used to go to this church. Oh, they told me this. Go. I wish I could just tell you. Well, they cheated on their wife, and we got up in their business, and they didn't like that. They had a pornography addiction but wanted to be a youth leader, and we said, no, Jack. Are you listening? Just stop them. Just be like, Shh. oh, you used to go to MPI. okay, then we know the same language, and you'll be ready for this question. What did you do? Well, just tell me right now. And if they say I didn't do nothing, write down their name and come see me, and I'll just look at it, and I'll just tell you, liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm just, ta- I'm just being 100. 100- I'm keeping it real with you. Because you'll meet people who used to come to church, but you'll, they'll usually say something like, oh, you used to go there. Now I go here. I moved. Okay, cool, man. Peace. We love you. But you all up on, you all up on Berto's business? Now it's not so much me anymore because I don't do the counseling. You're up on this person's business? What'd you do, you little silly bear? You play and it's like, oh, I know you. And here's the thing. They come to our church saying about their pastor, and I go, oh, what'd you do? And then they got to be real with me and say, oh, well, there's some situations, or they have to clarify because that always don't sound right to me. They're not saying there can't be problems in churches. But if you obsessed with that church, like you have to come and Uh, dump it on me. That's not God. What should we be known for our faith and our love? That's what we should be known for. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a church in Ephesus that sets the example for us here 2,000 years later. A church that was willing to forsake everything to follow you encourages us now to do the same. I pray that as we leave out of here, we'll be encouraged by their faith and love to be known for that in our lives and all that we do in Jesus name and everybody said amen give it up for Jesus come on amen would you slap your neighbor high five and thank them for coming you are dismissed we'll see you at life groups if you need prayer for anything would you come up to these prayer workers otherwise we'll see you at our wonderful ministries enjoy your day come on we love you Jesus thank you Lord God bless you as you go in faith and love All right come on now let's go to the after party thank you Jesus thank you Jesus come on let's sing it out now you know you know let's go there Jesus oh it's exciting to serve God every life here God. Jesus, touch every life here. Fill us with your power. Let it start today God. Fill us with your power. Let it start right now.
1: There it is. There it is.